Hello, welcome to Feed, Play, Love, the bite-sized podcast for parents. I'm Siobhan Hunt. This is a show all about parenting. I speak to experts and carers about everything from fussy eating, toddler behaviour, sleep and more. Michael Klim is a former professional swimmer, an Olympic gold medalist and founder of the skincare company Milk & Co. He has three children and lives his life between Bali and Australia. Though now, during the pandemic, he's currently in Bali. He's on the line to chat about how he's managing it all from social isolation on another continent. Hi, Michael. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. So what's it like in Bali at the moment? How are they handling the current pandemic? Is it, are the streets deserted? Yeah, look, to be honest, um, Bali had a, uh, a silent day uh, holiday last week. And ever since that moment, the Indonesian government has sort of almost turned the heat up on, on, the, uh, on the lockdown pretty much because June, during Nepi, the silent holiday, everyone has to go home. And since then, they kind of ex- extended that period for four days. And since then, they kept on extending it and extending it. So a lot of businesses have shut. The beaches are now shut. Um, there's been a pretty ma- big mass exodus of expats back to the origin countries. And um, there's still a pretty pretty big number that have remained here, uh, such as myself. But, um, it, it, yeah, it's definitely a weird feeling because Bali generally has a bit of a buzz about it. Obviously, it's a tourist destination. So, you know, there's a lot of the, the window fronts are boarded up and blocked out. And there's certainly a, a lot less local traffic as well. A lot of the Banja, which is the, the villages, have been locked down as well. So it certainly has a completely different you know, atmosphere about it at the moment. But in saying that, it, uh, we have found it quite easy to isolate ourselves within our, our sort of villa compound. And there's still a really good, obviously, supply of food through the supermarkets, etc. So there's no sort of sense of panic or stress. Initially, we were sort of concerned about visas and legalities and things like that. But now it seems, all seems to be wavered. So, uh, yeah, it's certainly an interesting time for us all. And did you consider coming back home to Australia? I know you have your life in both countries. Was there ever a moment when you thought, oh, we should go back to Australia? Look, we've definitely considered it, but um, I think it, you know, what we had to weigh up was the lifestyle and potentially the, the, the period of the lockdown. We have a pretty good base here in terms of the lifestyle we can continue living. And the only reason we would probably would have left if there was a safety issue further down the track here in Bali where, you know, either crime levels or other things may have increased. But at this stage, it seems pretty, you know, pretty subdued and everything is, uh, you know, yeah, everything's just brightening down. And so we did consider it, but um, I think, you know, the, the kids are doing homeschooling and, you know, the schools are still, well, they, they actually uh, left school quite early. So about, you know, nearly three weeks ago. So it's... Um, we're getting sort of, we've adapted to almost this new way of life for now, and um, we're just trying to stick it out. So when you said um, it's been quite chilled in Bali, it does, sound, it does sound very different from here. It does feel like in Australia, as you've seen, people were mm. panic buying, like the shops are empty all the time. People yeah. seem to be panicking. Do you think that... It's a, a cultural thing. Do you think that Bali, 
I mean, by reputation is more chilled than Australia anyway, but do you think that that's mm. part of what's happening? Look, I think there was initially there was almost a, there is certainly a, um, there was a lack of information given by the Indonesian government. So we were pretty much directed a lot by what we were reading from the, you know, international and Australian press. So only, only within the last two weeks, the Indonesian government been, has been communicating to the locals and the expats. So in regards to closures, etc. So um, I think prior to that, everyone was just sort of trying to make the best educated decisions that they with the information they were given. So I don't know. I think it's definitely cultural where there was, you know, obviously the, the Indonesians have been through some of their own trauma in the past and I'm not sure if they've weathered enough storms, but there, there was certainly an, a certain calmness about it initially. Um, but, the, you know, even with some of our staff members that, you know, potentially might be locked in their in their village for months and potentially not having an income and things like that. There is a level of stress to building potentially with that uncertainty. You know, they're obviously on very low wages, a lot of the locals, and I think that's where the stress is starting to build for them, potentially not, you know, not having ongoing jobs and, and things like that. But um, I think when it all started, it was fairly calm because we didn't have much information. All right. So you've got three kids. You met, um, We were speaking before, you mentioned um, you were with your son this morning. Are they all with you in Bali? Yes, they are, actually. So we, um, my, my ex-wife and I, we, have a, we, we do a week-on, week-off scenario. So, uh, yeah, we, uh, the, the kids are with me this week. So, yeah, we had a, a fun little swim with Rocco this morning while Frankie was making pancakes. And, yeah, we sort of get up pretty early. They... Obviously, with uh, with the sun sort of gets up around six a.m., so the kids are normally up around that time already, and um, did a few laps. And um, yeah, the, the early risers. I guess that's probably from my background, but yeah, so there's sort of straight into it. And how are you coping with the no school business and having everyone at home? Look, I must say it's it's challenging because I'm also working remotely with our office in Sydney and and other stakeholders that are in Australia all around the country. So um, trying to manage the kids' curriculum as well as my work and keeping them entertained. So luckily, they're just sort of coming out of a, a bit of a break, so they were, they're a little bit more relaxed now. But, um, <laughs> you know, the school kicks, uh, kicks up again on Monday. So, um, look, I guess it's probably an opportunity for them to do things a little bit differently and maybe explore, especially with the older two, some topics that I potentially, you know, haven't had a chance to do. I'm a little bit more relaxed in regards to to the, to the studies where they hopefully they can explore some new interests. But yeah, my my youngest goes to a Montessori school and the older two go to a Green School. And it's, it is fairly a, a progressive way of learning anyway, where the children do have a lot of, I guess, say in terms of what they want to pursue. So it's um there is a basic structure, but you know, it's been pretty cool to watch the kids, you know, Google, watching them on Google Classroom. And um, the first assembly was a nightmare. I think, <laughs> I think if that, if, if <laughs> they would have all been expelled if that, was, if that happened at school. But um, ever since then, um, the hammer's come down and they've been well behaved. Oh, well, that's good to hear. Um, you just <laughs> mentioned that you're working remotely and you've got your business, Milk & Co, that you founded and you're the CEO. Um, how mm-hmm. are you managing the business? Have you felt the impact of the 
economic consequences of the Look, pandemic? We, we have found definitely in the last probably three weeks to four weeks, there's been probably a Look, we have all our products made in Australia. So we all men's, women's and baby skincare products are all made in Australia. So there's been a, a delay in terms of getting our, one, our components out of China. So that's been a slight delay, but that wasn't probably the biggest worry. It's more getting the products filled in Australia and shipped ship back out again. We actually supply Alibaba, who's our biggest partner in, in China, and They've, they've started, you know, reordering and, and they're ticking over again, obviously, being an online-based business as well. They have been seemingly unaffected and, if anything, their volumes have increased. So we're sort of, uh, we're just trying to meet demand at the moment because we've been pushed back a little bit. So there's been certainly a, a level of adaptation like with everyone else and there's that uncertainty in terms of we found with the local market retailers are obviously pushing back their promotions and you know deleting catalogs and so for our you know the plans that we had put in place six months ago we've had to obviously revisit and restructure what we're going to do obviously all our events and we had a a, a number of events that we not only sponsored but we take part in so that's all been cancelled so yeah it's obviously you know there are so many moving pieces and as like anyone, it's not. <laughs> we're just trying to do our best, and obviously, there's been a big focus and big turn towards online and digital business. So, how we communicate our brand and making them accessible through the online platforms that we feature on. So, that's probably the you know the easiest channel for our customers at the moment. So, there's yeah, we just have to adapt and evolve. So, not really dire, but just needing to change. Yeah, absolutely. Look, we're we're quite fortunate that you know we we've been wait, we've been sort of supported with through Alibaba and some of their uh, their expansion into into new brands, etc. So um, certainly no major structural structural changes as yet, but definitely we we will have to uh, you know we'll be left with some old stock. We'll have to clear and, and expired stock potentially if it does you know if we don't move it fast enough. So. Will, at the moment, it's okay, but I see, you know, we've had some contingencies coming up later in the year if we get stuck with some extra stock. Now, your Instagram is full of images of you swimming, um, is, <laughs> which is not really a surprise, but is that how you get your headspace? Is that what helps you stay calm when it's a bit tense? Absolutely, absolutely. I, unfortunately, um, you know, I used to be a speedboat, and now I'm pretty much like a little tugboat, so sort of, uh, or, a, or a tanker. So there's no, um, I don't swim for the speed. I, I, I don't know what it is. To, even to this day, I'm 42 and retired a long time ago. But for me, just being able to get in the water and you know control, it's, it's I can't, it comes back to the breath, and you know, obviously controlling my breath and breathing. I'm and. And just going through that motion of and then being in the water. So I think I use it as a mindfulness practice, that's for sure. And, yeah, it's, it's still a big part of my, my routine. So I try and get in the water maybe two or three times a week. I've got a short pool in the backyard, which, you know, we've been able to utilize at this time. It's been very handy, but um, it's still... And, and before the beaches got shut, I managed to get a, a few ocean swims as well. So, 
It's a, it's much more pleasant under the water than it is above at the moment. Yeah, that's, that's very true. Uh, Michael, thank you so much for speaking with us today. No, thank you for having me. That's Michael Klim, Olympic gold medalist and founder of Milk & Co. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.